Good morning. Thank you so very much for being part of our online worship assembly this morning. Whether you are a member here at McDermott Road or you're a guest visiting with us, being part of our online worship assembly, we want to thank you for being here. And I want to tell you that I love you and I miss you. I miss this room being filled with people. I miss seeing your faces. I miss being in your presence. And I look forward to that day where we can all come together and be back together in our worship assembly. But until then, we continue to encourage each other and build each other up and pray for each other. And we continue to focus on spiritual disciplines. That's what our series this month is all about as we look at Matthew chapter 6 and we think about disciplining ourselves for godliness, working on our personal relationship with God, focusing on doing things that help draw us closer to our Heavenly Father. You know, I grew up hearing a phrase or several different phrases that were very similar, things like do Bible things in Bible ways and call Bible things by Bible names or a phrase like, speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. And I'll tell you, I believe those phrases. Maybe you grew up hearing those phrases. Maybe you didn't grow up hearing those phrases, but I personally love those ideas that we want to be people of the book. We want to be people that love scripture and that love to learn from scripture, love to be trained by scripture. People who truly believe that the prophets who wrote down every book of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, were carried along by the Spirit of God, and that these things were written for our learning and our instruction and our training in righteousness so that we should do do the things that we find in Scripture. We should be the kind of people that Scripture, that God, through Scripture, is calling us to be. So I truly believe we should speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible's silent and do Bible things in Bible ways and call Bible things by Bible names. I believe all of that, and I grew up hearing all of that. But, you know, there's a biblical practice that we don't talk about a lot. There's a biblical practice. There's probably several biblical practices that we don't talk a lot about and that we don't practice. But one of the ones that comes to the top of my mind that we spend very little time talking about and very little time doing is this spiritual discipline of fasting. The very biblical practice of fasting Do you know that fasting, even though it's mentioned many, many times in both the Old and New Testament, even though we have lots of examples of people fasting, it was really only commanded to be done on the Day of Atonement. But it was voluntarily done by Moses, by David, by Mordecai, by Daniel, by Ezra, by Nehemiah, by Paul, by Barnabas, and for 40 days by Jesus And fasting literally means to not eat food, to spend a period of time abstaining from eating, not eating food. And people in the Bible did it for lots of different reasons. Sometimes they did it as an act of repentance. Sometimes they did it when they were praying for someone else. Maybe someone was sick, maybe someone was hurting, maybe bad things were going on, and they would spend time praying and fasting 
Or maybe they would do it before they went on a big mission or an endeavor, before they began something new. They would spend time praying and fasting. But maybe that's not where we should begin our discussion. Maybe we shouldn't begin our discussion with why did they fast. Maybe we should begin our discussion with why don't we fast? Why don't we fast? And maybe you do, maybe you do fast, or maybe you don't. Maybe it's something that you've done from time to time but haven't made a, a habit of or a practice of. Maybe, maybe you have medical reasons why you can't fast for a very long period of time. I understand that. But, but I would say generally, generally as the church, at least in my lifetime, we, we've done really well at eating together, but we've done very poorly at fasting together. You know, I've, I've been to lots of church potlucks in my lifetime, but I've very seldom been to a church fast and prayer time. We, we are really good at feasting, not so great at fasting. And why is that? Why do we not fast? I, I tried to think in my own mind, I didn't take a poll on this, so this is just Wes's opinion on why we don't fast, but maybe Maybe if you're like me, the number one reason might be this. We really like food. I don't know about you, but I really like food. Do you really like food? I really like food. I like to eat. I enjoy eating. And something about fasting seems like it's disdaining food, like it's saying food isn't good or we don't like it. But nothing could be further from the truth. Actually, fasting isn't about disdain for food. It's really about love for food. It's, it's a confession that food is good, but that God is better. Fasting is a confession that food is good, but God is better. The only thing better than food is the one who created it. I've often stopped and thought about taste buds and just how amazing it is that we have taste buds. I, I guess we could, we could have all different ways of ingesting nutrients into our body that didn't involve tasting them and going over our tongue and enjoying the various flavors, salty and sweet and savory, all of these different flavors that we can taste and enjoy. But, but fasting says, but God is better. The creator of these foods is better. Fasting is a way of reminding our heart that food is good, but it's not our master. We are not slaves of our appetites. We are bondservants of Jesus. Jesus is our master and food is not. Food is good and it's enjoyable, but any good thing has the potential of becoming an ultimate thing in our hearts a couple years ago, we did a series on idolatry, and we talked about Tim Keller's definition of idolatry that I love and I've adopted, and it's the idea that idolatry is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. When we take a good thing and we say, I can't live without that, that is just about all that there is to life, and I enjoy this so much, I don't want to go a moment without it, there's the potential that it becomes ultimate, and food can even become that. So many things in our lives can become that. So many things that we have a physical or emotional appetite for can become ultimate things in our heart. So fasting is a way for us to say food is good, but God is better. 
I have an appetite for food, but I have an even greater appetite for God. I am not a slave of food. I am a slave of Jesus. So maybe one reason we don't like to fast or we don't fast very often is that we really like food. And number two might be this. We don't see a practical purpose for fasting. What's, what's the purpose? When you talk about prayer, we can understand the practical purpose of prayer. You talk about Bible study, we can understand the practical purpose of Bible study. We've talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about giving money to the poor. We understand the practical purpose of giving money to the poor. But what's the practical purpose of fasting? Well, if we're honest, we don't just eat to, to get our daily number of calories. We don't just eat just because we have to. We, we do it sometimes for comfort, don't we? Not just for enjoyment, but also for comfort. And comfort's not bad. Comfort's not a bad thing, but it is a bad thing if it becomes an addiction. And if we're honest, a lot of us are addicted to comfort. We're addicted to safety. We're addicted to things being predictable. We're addicted to things being comfortable. We're addicted to not hurting. We're addicted to not suffering. We're addicted to not even being uncomfortable. And fasting helps us to break our addiction to comfort. Again, it's not bad to be comfortable. But if you had to choose between God and comfort, what would you choose? If you had to choose between God and safety, what would you choose? If you had to choose between God and whatever, what would you choose? That's what spiritual disciplines are all about. Spiritual disciplines are forcing us to make the choice before we have to make the choice. I may never be put into a circumstance where I have to choose God or comfort, God or safety. But, but spiritual disciplines, fasting is a way for me to say, I choose God. I choose God over my own comfort. I choose God over myself. And it's a way for whatever period of time you, you fast, for you to say, I'm choosing God over my comfort. Yes, I could eat that biscuit. I could eat that uh, piece of pie. That's my own personal favorite thing to eat. If you know me, you know I like pie. And I could choose pie and it would make me feel, I would enjoy it and it would make me feel comfortable and it would make me feel safe and it would make me feel like everything's okay. But there's times where I need to say no. In fact, the Hebrew word for fasting is, is about putting your hand over your mouth and saying, no, I'm not going to eat that right now because I choose God over comfort. If for no other reason than to break my addiction to comfort and to remind my heart that God is more valuable to me than my own comfort. And then finally, maybe number three, why don't we fast? We're not commanded to fast. Again, the only commandment to fast was part of the Day of Atonement, and Jesus is our once and for all sacrifice of atonement, and so we're not commanded to fast. But as a reminder, neither were all of those people we talked about in the beginning. Neither was Moses or David, neither was 
Ezra or Nehemiah or Barnabas or Paul or Jesus. Jesus wasn't commanded to to fast for 40 days. Jesus chose to fast for 40 days. Paul and Barnabas weren't commanded to fast. They chose to fast. These men and women, these children of God, God's covenant people for thousands of years, have chosen at various times for various reasons to spend a period of time, whether it's long or whether it's short, that's really beside the point. They've chosen, voluntarily chosen, to spend time not eating and instead of eating, praying and trading their feasting time for fasting time, trading their time of indulging their appetites with humbling themselves in prayer. So that's the real question. If we're not commanded to, why would we do it? Because so many times we just want to know, well, what do I have to do, right? What are the, we call them the salvation issues. What are the salvation issues? What do I have to do? And if I don't have to do it, why bother talking about it? If I'm not commanded to do it, why should I do it? And we just kind of want to do the bare minimum. But that's not how relationships work, is it? If we know that there's something that could take our relationship, whether it's your relationship with your spouse or your children or your neighbor or your friend, if we know there's something that could help take it to another level and deepen your relationship with them and help you to be a better friend or a better spouse or a better neighbor or a better parent, you'd want to do that, wouldn't you? You don't want to just do the minimums, only do the things you're required to do, only do the things you're commanded to do. We would want to take our relationship with the people in our life to the next level. And the same should be true with our relationship with God. So if we're not commanded to, what would motivate us to spend a little time in prayer and fasting? What would motivate us to fast? That's what I think Jesus's point is all about. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 is our text or where we'll begin with our text this morning, Matthew 6 and verse 16. Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Every spiritual discipline, every spiritual practice, every spiritual practice, not only has the possibility of drawing us closer to God, it can also be perverted to serve our own desires. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. He said, when you practice your righteousness, you have an opportunity to be seen by your Father. When you give You have the opportunity to be seen and rewarded by your father, but you also have the opportunity to do it, to be seen by others. You also have the opportunity to do it, to sound a trumpet and say, hey, look at me, I'm super generous, I'm super just, I'm super fair, I practice righteousness, I'm a good person. Or you have the opportunity to be seen and rewarded by your father. And when you pray, You have the opportunity to be drawn closer to your Father, but you also have the opportunity to do it to be seen by others. And Jesus says here, with your fasting, he says, here's how the hypocrites do. And again, hypocrite means an actor. And these 
spiritual actors would put on a gloomy face and would look all sad and sober and somber and go about so that people say, wow, you see those Pharisees over there, they're fasting. They are very pious people. They have given up and sacrificed for God because they really love God and their relationship with God goes very deep, but they were doing it to be seen by others. And that's really the problem here. See, it's not about the practice because there's a good way to fast and a bad way to fast. There's a good way to pray and a bad way to pray. There's a good way to give and a bad way to give. And it's not about the practice. It's not about how you do it. It's about why you do it. It's not about the practice. It's about the pursuit. It's not about the practice. It's about the pursuit. And Jesus says the the hypocrites, their pursuit is the praise of people. Their pursuit is the praise of people. Their pursuit is not the presence of their father. It's the praise, the admiration of people. They're doing it to be seen. And he says that can't be the way you do it. The Pharisees, their practice was to fast twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. Jesus doesn't criticize their frequency. He doesn't say, hey, don't be like those Pharisees. They fast too much. You don't need to fast twice a week. He doesn't criticize their frequency. He doesn't criticize their duration. He doesn't say, hey, don't fast for a whole day. That's a long time. Fast. Don't, don't, you don't have to fast. He doesn't criticize the duration. He doesn't criticize the frequency. He criticizes their motives. See, this practice, it's not so much about the practice as it is about the pursuit. It's not about how you fast, it's about why you fast. It's about what are you pursuing? And just like with their giving and just like with their praying, they are pursuing admiration. They are pursuing other people seeing them and other people praising them. And Jesus says, that can't be the way you fast. Now, look at what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 17. He says, but when you fast, and we kind of have to pause there for a second, don't we? But when you fast. Now, notice it's not if you fast, it's when you fast. Jesus assumes this is what you're going to do as my disciples. He doesn't say, oh, no, listen, it's going to be inappropriate for my disciples to fast. No, no, he knows there's going to be times where you're going to pray and you're going to be going to fast, not as a command, but that's just something that you're going to do. He says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. So in other words, just like he said with your giving, hide it, hide your giving so that other people don't see it. Practice righteousness in secret. And just like he said with prayer, go into your room, shut the door, and pray in secret. He says, hide your fasting. Pretend like you're not fasting. Anoint your head. Wash your face. Don't disfigure your face. Go around with a smile on. Don't make it obvious to other people that you're fasting. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, it's not about how you fast. It's about why you fast. It's not about how long you fast. I mean, sometimes when fasting comes up, we say, well, now how long am I supposed to fast? You know, do I have to fast for a whole day? Could I just fast for an afternoon? Could I just fast for a couple hours? There's no commandment 
There's no rule book for this. Sometimes people ask, can I fast from other things besides food? I would say technically no, because the word fasting, like it literally means not eating, but can you give up and abstain from certain things in order to pursue God? Yes. In fact, we ought to. We ought to put down our device sometimes, turn off our TV sometimes, do away with the news sometimes, do away with the social media sometimes, step away from those things for a little while. And whether you call that a fast or not, it's not about how you do it, it's about why you do it. It's, it's not about the practice, it's about the pursuit. What are you pursuing? And in this case, we're, we're specifically talking about food, but again, Jesus doesn't give rules on the duration. You could fast from sun up to sundown. You could say, okay, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have breakfast before the sun comes up and I'll have dinner after the sun goes down, but all day I'm gonna spend that time praying and fasting. The, the duration is up to you. The frequency is up to you. I've known people that fast once a week. I, I've known people that fast when, when horrible things happen in their life or when they're about to make a big decision. The frequency, the duration, completely voluntary. All of this is voluntary, but it's about the pursuit, what are you pursuing? And Jesus says, listen, there is great reward. There is reward. Just like with praying and just like with giving, there is reward in doing this in secret and secretly disciplining yourself, secretly training yourself, secretly abstaining from certain things that you enjoy and that you like and that are really good things but you're going to abstain from them because your relationship with your father is more important. And Jesus says, your father, again, your father who is in secret, he will see in secret and he will, what? Reward you. There is reward in fasting. There's reward. In, and I think we need to just stop and acknowledge that fact, don't we? There is a reward in this. And again, it's not saying... He'll reward you with eternal life. You'll get saved if you fast. That's not what Jesus is saying. Again, I, I think it's all about presence and the pleasure of our Father, knowing that God is pleased with us. That's why we do things that make relationships better. And fasting, again, just like prayer, is based in, founded in, predicated upon our relationship with our Father. And we're reminding ourselves when we say, you know what, I'm not eating desserts this week. I, I'm not eating lunch this week. I, I'm, I'm going to go without this or I'm going to go without that because my relationship with my father is more important to me than these things. And I need to focus on my relationship with my father rather than just indulging my appetites. But I want to point something out that's not necessarily in this text, but I think it's important. That just like when we talked about prayer, your relationship with God and your relationship with others is inseparably linked. Just like Jesus said, listen, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. And we talked about last week how your relationship with God and your relationship with other people are inseparably linked. The same is true with fasting. Because if we go through these practices in order to draw closer to God, but we're really not working on our relationships with other people, we're fasting in vain. I want you to listen to what 
Isaiah said to the people of his day. Hundreds of years before Jesus, Isaiah would say this, and I can hear Jesus saying this exact same thing. In fact, I think what Jesus is saying about the hypocrites of his day echo what Isaiah said to the people of his day. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 3. The people, as if they're saying, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Why are we fasting? And God doesn't seem to bless us and God doesn't seem to reward us and God doesn't seem to care. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? It's about what you seek. It's about what you're pursuing. What are you pursuing? These Pharisees and hypocrites of Jesus' day were fasting, but what they were really pursuing wasn't God's presence and God's pleasure. It was their own appetites, their own appetite for for appreciation, their, their own appetite for acknowledgement. And Isaiah says, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. You're mistreating the people who work for you. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Fasting like this will not make your voice to be heard on high. If you're fasting but yet you're mistreating the people in your life. You're fighting and quarreling and oppressing people. God doesn't hear that. God doesn't appreciate your fast because because you, you gave up food, but yet you're taking advantage of people or hurting people or fighting with people. Verse five, is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Just because you're going through all of the motions, just because you're going through all of the ritual, just because you've got sackcloth and ashes and you pretend to be so humble and you give up and you don't eat, you think I'm going to be pleased with this? Is not this the fast that I choose? Here's the fast that I choose, God says. Listen to this. This is the way I want you to fast, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light Break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. When you do these kinds of things, when you feed the hungry, when you house the homeless, when you give clothing to the naked, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noon day. See, all the things we've talked about so far in our series on spiritual disciplines, Practicing righteousness, 
tzedakah, doing justice, fairness, equity, giving to the poor, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, and prayer and fasting, they go together. You don't get to just pick a couple of them and say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with the whole prayer thing. I think I'll add fasting and that'll draw me closer to God. But the whole, you know, taking care of poor people and helping the less fortunate, you know, that's not really my thing. All of these things go together. Your relationship with other people, your relationship to the disenfranchised, your relationship with the marginalized, your relationship with the people that are hurting, your relationship with the people that are suffering, and your relationship with God are inseparably linked. And for us to think that God will be pleased with us praying and fasting while we're not caring for the people in our world is to not learn from the lessons that the prophets gave to God's people all throughout their history. It's to not learn what Jesus was all about. It's both. It's both. It's both praying and fasting and taking care of the people that are hurting. In fact, in fact, when we fast, when people that have food choose not to eat food, it should help us to empathize with the hungry. This is what it feels like to be hungry. I often tell my kids, my kids will, I mean, you know how kids are, and I'm sure I did the same with my parents when I was a kid, come into the kitchen and say, Mom, is dinner ready yet? And then uh, Mom says, no, it'll be a while. And then what's the next line? I'm starving. I'm starving, Mom. I'm starving. And we always say, you, you don't know what it is to be starving. You don't even really know what it is to be hungry. The truth is, I don't really know what it's like to be hungry. But when we truly fast, when we fast pursuing the will of God, then it helps us to empathize with those that are hungry. Verse 10, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then God will hear you. Then God will listen to you. But if you're only fasting to satisfy your own desire, you might as well be eating, right? You might as well be just gorging yourself on food because you're gorging yourself on attention. You're gorging yourself on the applause of people. And that's exactly what the Pharisees of Jesus' day were doing, what the hypocrites were doing. They were pursuing and satisfying their own desires and appetites. And that's exactly what fasting is supposed to break us of. It's supposed to help us to break our addiction to our own appetites, to break our addiction to our own comfort and to say, Father, you are more important. Fasting is a beneficial spiritual discipline, but only, only when it comes from a heart that is truly desiring to do the Father's will. So here's how we might put it in conclusion. Fast in pursuit of your Father's presence, of your Father's pleasure, of your Father's promises. Isn't that what Jesus promises in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, when you fast in secret, 
when you hide your fasting, when you do these spiritual disciplines in secret, not to be seen by others, but to be seen by your Father, that you will be seen and that your Father will be there and that you will be rewarded. And so it's not so much about the practice. It's not so much about, well, how frequently or how much or from what should I fast? If you want to fast from pie or you want to fast from the news or you want to fast from social media or you want to fast from your your smartphone, again, technically that's not fasting, but if you want to abstain from those things to pursue your father, then I'm confident he will see you and reward you. But whatever we do, whether we fast for an hour or we fast for a day, we fast for whatever, whatever we do in, in fasting or in disciplining or in praying or in giving, it needs to be in pursuit of our Father's presence, pleasure, and promises. I mean, I'm not telling you if you have you know, blood sugar disorders that you need to fast without talking to your doctor, talk to your doctor. What, I, what I'm saying is, What I'm saying is, what Jesus is saying is that fasting has always been a voluntary thing that God's people have done since the very beginning of God's covenant with his people. It's something that God's people have always done. Different durations at different times, different frequencies, but God's people have always spent time praying and fasting. But when you fast, do it to pursue your Father's presence and pleasure and promises. And isn't that wonderful that we can spend time praying and fasting we can spend time in prayer we can spend time in song we can give and we can know that our father is saying to us well done good and faithful servant it's really easy to get caught up in only doing the things that other people can see the things that only other people can appreciate the things that people will applaud us for But Jesus says, you have to work on your relationship with the Father in secret. And church, I'm I'm convinced that that's one of the benefits of this time of pandemic. With all of the negative things that this pandemic has brought our way, one of the positives is that it's given us time to work on our personal secret relationship with our Father. And he sees and he is pleased and he is there and he rewards. So let's spend this time, however you spend this time, whatever you abstain from, what, however long you pray, however much you read scripture, let's spend this time pursuing our Father's presence and his pleasure and his promises because God is good. And church, we're in this together. As you work on your relationship with your Father, I work on my relationship with my father. We recognize that he's the same father. He is our father who is in heaven. And we are family. And we struggle together. And we pray together. And we love together. And we bear each other's burdens. So church, if you're struggling with something or hurting about something, let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. In fact, I want us to be the kind of church family. And I think that we are. I think we are the kind of church family where if you called and said, listen, I have something so heavy, so burdensome going on in my life right now that I need you to pray and fast with me, we would do it. We would pray and fast with you. 
Not to get our Father's attention, but because we know we already have it. And to draw even closer to Him. And to bring each other's prayer requests before Him. Whatever we can do for you, whether it's help you put Jesus on in baptism or help you in your prayer life or help you with a burden that you're bearing, we are in this together and we want to help each other any way that we can. Church, we're going to sing one more song. We're going to have a closing prayer, but thank you for being with us this morning.